Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel right here on News Radio 570 WWNC 880 and 92.9 The Revolution. And be sure to visit the Speaking of Travel website. That's speakingoftravel.net. There's so much to see and do on the website. You'll have an easy click to pass podcasts, and you can listen anytime, anywhere. That's speakingoftravel.net. Speaking of Travel is brought to you by the Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to and from the world. And when you fly home, you're home. Flyavl.com and Appalachian Realty. Thinking of changing your scene from a farmhouse to a neighborhood, visit AppalachianRealty.com and by Chimney Rock at Chimney Rock State Park, home to one of the most iconic landmarks in Western North Carolina. All right, so here's a question for you. Do you know where Bulgaria is? Wait, where? Bulgaria was one of those countries I didn't really know that much about. It seems to be somewhat under the radar. I know it's a popular seaside destination in the summer, but I wasn't aware of it on the same scale as the rest of the Mediterranean. But Bulgaria is really quite a diverse country. My guest today is Bistra Hirstrofa. How's that, Bistra? That's pretty close. All right. That's pretty good. (laughs) Bistra is a first-generation Bulgarian-American who has lived in the U.S. for 20 years. She was telling me she just had her anniversary. Happy anniversary. Thank you. She's fully immersed in American life and society as a photographer and a traveler. But her identity as a person is still deeply rooted in her Bulgarian heritage. Welcome to the show, Bistra. Thank you, Marilyn. I'm so excited to to have you here. You know, Bulgaria is a place that um, has always been kind of out there. Like, you know, I've, I've learned a little bit about it, but I don't know that much about it. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, and about your country. Yeah, it's a pretty long-standing country. It's one of the older ones in Europe, too. And, uh, yeah, I recently noticed that uh, whenever it's mentioned or any Bulgarian identity is mentioned, it's mostly in late-night shows and some very comic context. If somebody is totally odd and out of context they called it it's a bulgarian so <laughs> i know we have a little reputation actually but uh no we are um really a sweet spot in europe because we're right between um Europe and the Middle East. So geographically and historically, we've always been a a mix of a lot of cultures. And we've been a place where a lot of cultures crisscrossed. So geographically, we're very uh, strong also because we're right there on several faults that I know of. And um, uh, we're known also to have a lot of uh, strong energies, you know, earth energies crossing there. So uh, the country is actually really, really famous with a lot of clairvoyance, a lot of energy workers. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting mix of um, uh, culture and spirituality and art and um, everything that um, a small, strong culture can can ask for. And when you say that it's... Uh it's by the Middle East and, and Europe. Give us an idea geographically, because, as you know, a lot of Americans just 
are not geography <laughs> right. uh, scholars. And I think being able to get something of a uh, a picture in our heads, uh, if I was if I was going to Bulgaria, uh, where would I kind of be going? Sure. You'll be going north of Greece and Turkey, which most people are familiar with. So we border those. Uh, on the west side, we border uh, Serbia and all the former Yugoslavian countries. And on the north, we have Romania. And on the east, we have the Black Sea, which is our um, most beautiful coast there. So geographically, we, we're very diverse. We have everything. We have the River Danube on the north. So we have river valleys. We have the Black Sea. We have really beautiful alpine mountains. That's where I started hiking, actually, because we have mountains that are up to 19,000 feet. And they're part of the European route, actually. There is a European route that goes kind of on top of most of the higher peaks, starts in Spain, I think, and ends somewhere in Bulgaria or a little south of us. And we even have semi-desertous environments. We're super diverse as far as geography. And I'm kind of spoiled in that because I I have expectations everywhere I go. Like, I need something as exciting as that. (laughs) And, uh, you know, Carolina was really, really close to what I I grew up in. So this felt immediately very, uh, very much at home and uh, exciting. Well, tell us a little bit about what it was like for you growing up in Bulgaria. And where where were you uh, uh, from? Like, where's your... Uh, village. I'm from um, a very important historically and culturally um, smallish town now. Uh, it's called Veliko Trnovo, and it's really, really comparable and compatible with Asheville. It's about the size of Asheville. Geographically, it's positioned almost like that. We have famous, famous seven hills that are positions around the meandering river. And historically, we were the second capital of Bulgaria. So we have a lot of remnants from old kingdoms. Um, uh, some of the, like the golden age of uh, Bulgarian Renaissance actually happened there with lots of monasteries. I think we have at least 17 right around the city. So um, there was a lot of preserved, you know, educational and historical material, a lot of um, Beautiful sightings, like beautiful architectural uh, places that now, of course, are just mostly ruins because it was mainly from the middle centuries to 18th century. And this town is a good uh, cultural center. I grew up... um, in a very tight community, educational, you know, Europeans are known edu- to be really involved in education uh, for their kids. You know, that's a, a big aspect of uh, growing up. So we had a beautiful university with lots of majors there. So I was always focused on education and um, social life. Like I was involved in just about anything you can think of. Musically, I was always in sports competitions and always some outside of school activities. Uh, I always sang throughout my life. I was part of all kinds of like a big children's ensemble and then uh, classical choirs, always invo- involved in arts and crafts. There are always little um, after school activities. And I just remember I was always in some competitions. Like I, I remember even in, I think, fourth grade, I won the chess competition for girls. So even though I grew up in a um, middle-class family and actually even kind of lower than middle-class, somehow this is a big part of the culture to get the kid to be well-rounded. Well, and I have to sort of... uh, Blame and thank socialism for that, <laughs> because I think this was one of the the part the communist party's goals was to actually create well-rounded um, uh, 
personalities and people. And I actually have a, um, I think I, I have to be thankful for that because we were just all over the place trying to experience just about anything in life. And I feel this helped me a lot in in, in being a pretty inquisitive person and, and uh, learning a lot as I go. Oh, it sounds like it, definitely. And yeah. was it a, um, agriculturally uh, diverse yes. as well? Traditionally, it was a very, very strong agricultural part of the economy, which unfortunately now has, you know, after the democracy sort of took over the country, um, uh, you know, the market economy is taking over a lot of that. And being part of Europe, I'm not sure... Uh, how good or bad that has been for the agricultural part of the con- country, but uh, we've seen a lot of decline in that um, because a lot of the agricultural communities were around the small, smaller villages, and like in any culture, you know, young people are drawn to the big cities, so they were just migrating a lot. And now we only rely, I think, mainly on uh, European the Union subsidies to actually develop the the new companies. That, um, but there's unfortunately a big. Um, Kind of corrupt presence in Bulgaria that is uh, preventing a lot of uh, honest uh, small business owners to develop their businesses. So now I think a lot of them are seeing a l- just unforeseen big barriers in developing agricultural businesses. But there's there's a lot of that happening, but not not quite successfully. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And when we come back, I want to talk more about um, about these beautiful, majestic mountains and okay. and your background in, in hiking. Oh, that's where my heart is. Yeah. That's All right. Saying. Well, we'll be back. This is Marilyn Ball. Speaking of travel. With 50 flights every day to and from cities like Atlanta, Charlotte, and Chicago, you can fly to hundreds of worldwide destinations with one easy connection. Choose Allegiant, American, Delta, or United right here from Asheville Regional Airport. And when you fly home, you're home. Asheville Regional Airport. Take the easy way out. Chimney Rock at Chimney Rock State Park's annual pass holders can look forward to endless adventures. The Outcroppings Trail to the park's iconic chimney is the ultimate stairmaster. Hike with your kids to Hickory Nut Falls, one of the tallest waterfalls east of the Mississippi, or take the new Skyline Trail to the top of the mountain. Pass holders are treated to exclusive events as well as special deals at the park and area attractions. Upgrade your day ticket to an annual pass during your visit. Any real estate company's success is a reflection of its attention and care provided to its clients. Appalachian Realty Associates are proven to have the best agents around. And if you're looking for a place in Asheville and Western North Carolina, they'll help you find properties as unique as you are. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Your business trip shouldn't start with a road trip. Hundreds of global destinations are just one connection away. Starting at Asheville Regional Airport. Fly Allegiant, American, Delta, and United. Asheville Regional Airport, your local connection to the world. Visit FlyAVL.com to plan your next trip. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on 
Remember, you can listen anywhere, anytime in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. And speaking of anywhere in the whole wide world, we're here today talking about Bulgaria with my host, my host, my guest. Thank you. I, I'm going to try it again, Bistra. It's Bistra. Herstova. Herstova, yeah. Herstova. It's a tough one. It's even tough for me, so <laughs> no worries. <laughs> so, Beatrice, listening to you talk about your uh, your home, your homeland, where mm-hmm. you're from, um, the sense of uh, community, sounds like there was a strong sense of, of home and community and, um, and really becoming well-rounded. Uh, but tell us a little bit about these mountains and and what it was like for you to um, to begin that love of hiking. I think yeah, probably the mountains are the biggest symbol for me for uh, growing up in Bulgaria and, and uh, being shaped by something significant. Um, it was the mountains. I uh, I know uh, that I started uh, hiking when I was four with my parents. So um, I have to thank, of course, my parents and my family for that. I think it makes a huge difference when somebody grows up in that environment and is just constantly happily dragged somewhere <laughs> on a camping trip or on a little outing. You just uh, It just becomes such a great rhythm in life that um, not only it becomes a beautiful part of it, but you start craving it. You know that if you haven't done something like that at the end of the week, that uh, you feel really antsy <laughs> for the next week. You have to kind of, it's, it's a little bit of a, a drug for some people, and uh, me included. So uh, we did a lot of uh, outings with my parents, and it was always memorable because my dad also uh, was a photographer, amateur photographer. But we always, of course, half of my memories are, uh, thank God we have those black and white photographs. So half of my memories are vivid because of that. So uh, the adventurous spirit was in my parents' blood, and um, I loved it. And later, I just started doing it on my own. I was uh, I became a rock climber, and um, when I started um, high school and then college, I was always involved. I was always organizing. So I also have it in me. I don't know where from because my parents are not really leaders per se. But I always had that little um, bossy inclination in me that I don't ever like anybody else's ideas, so I have to do my own thing. So I've always been on kind of on top of things for everything. So I was always the organizer in my high school and um, at college. Um, I was studying in Bulgaria. I was studying English as a major, English philology, but my minor was outdoor education. And all our classes were really just outdoor. We would go anywhere, do kayaking, skiing, hiking. So that actually gave me more of a professional approach to it. And um, I was also always the designated photographer of these. So it, d- it just always went hand in hand. And, yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because you were um, – you said your dad was a an amateur photographer and obviously um, – that love of being behind the camera and being able to take mm-hmm. pictures uh, uh, came off to you. When did yeah. you When did you get your first camera? My first camera, I think I was probably sixth or seventh grade. It was uh, in Bulgaria at that time. Everybody started with Russian cameras, so it was a Smana. 
a, the tiny Russian camera, and then later I got the m- more popular and bigger Zenith. Um, and uh, photography actually was uh, really also very well um, connected to creating that sense of space through the roots, you know, the um, family tree that you have. Because my dad's photography was mainly oriented in documenting, you know, family events. So this became a really um, big guiding light for me in my life that uh, memories are really a good way of of staying connected to your roots and um, knowing who you are. And in in my days now, when most of my relatives are gone, it's a really great way to re-examine even who you are. You find, you know, some of your idiosyncrasies are like, I have no idea where did I get this from? And then you start thinking back and looking at pictures and like, oh, yeah, my granddad used to just love sitting under that oak tree. And I know where I get this piece of peace of mind when I'm sitting under a tree or every time I smell, you know, the smell of uh, freshly cut grass or hay, I know that this was because my dad always was in the fields and always doing some fun. So the photography actually kind of brings all of them together because you can remember things better. And then you you started to make that into a career. Is this it how was, that unfolded? This this unfolded here, actually, in Bulgaria. It was mainly just very amateurish. I, I was the designated uh, um, <laughs> documenting photographer for all our trips. And I'm so grateful now. Most of my friends in Bulgaria, especially from college years, they have albums of pretty badly developed black and white photos, but still really, really great sentimental <laughs> uh, pieces uh, that that I left for them. Um uh, but I um, I started I started really um, documenting it because in in my soul I'm I'm an artist. My, my parents also were artists, so I always wanted you know I always wanted to create some beautiful piece of art out of all my outings. But um, painting doesn't get that kind of instant gratification <laughs> that photography has so i think i was probably a lazy artist that turned into a good photographer uh so the photography just gave me that uh a way of connecting artistically to my environment and and keeping a, a good memory of things and it seems like your your photography um as you were speaking about your first attempts and taking photos during that whole black and white era um and that, and this love of black and white images that you have, um, there's something about the color that is very uh, endearing for you as well. I think, yeah, uh, starting with black and white was really helpful f- to, for you know growing as an artist because it actually makes you focus uh, a lot on the composition and a lot on the focal points in the. Um, in the picture, and you you start you start seeing really things that most people don't see. You pay attention to to details and how the um, light and dark really uh, interact. Like you know, Ansel Adams has, of course, is the probably the most famous example of that. Uh, but that definitely helped me, and I really am an old starter. Like I resisted color and digital for the longest time. All my friends had their little uh, uh, instant cameras with the color film, and I was like, "No, I'm going to be developing." Because we had also a dark room, so I couldn't develop color. That's why I hung on to the black and white. But later, um, even I, I got my digital camera pretty late, also probably 2008. 
and I was so paranoid. The first uh, probably three, four months, I did the longest trip in the southwest probably, and I was afraid to use it. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be going through all kinds of dusty roads and rugged environments. I had my camera with me, but I was still taking photos with my film camera. So I'm, I'm kind of a more uh, old, old-fashioned old person, so I, I slowly transfer to new things. But now I'm loving, of course, digital. It just opens so many options and horizons for development. So I want to talk more about when you came here. Um, I mean, 20 years ago, you you must have been quite young uh, to come here. Yeah, I was... Uh 20, uh, 27, 26, 27. I've already, you know, lived um, quite quite a long and f- fulfilling life, and uh, I was formed as an individual when I came here. So I can say that I didn't I didn't experience a big transformation when I came. Like if you come as a teenager, it's a different story. Uh, but I already came with a lot of set. Set standards, set you know things about uh, thoughts about things, uh, and when I came here, the environment was very similar, so it wasn't a huge shock. Uh, the bigger shock was that I came as a camp counselor and worked in a summer camp, so the bigger shock were the kids. <laughs> the kids, they're always a shock. Beastro will be right back. Visit Chimney Rock State Park once and you'll want to come back for more. Get an annual pass for unlimited visits to the park for a year, exclusive events and special deals at the park shops and restaurants, and more. Become an annual pass holder at ChimneyRockPark.com. Hi, this is Tina Kinsey with Asheville Regional Airport, and I have a travel tip for you today. Did you know that we all have a very powerful travel assistant right in the palm of our hands? It's our cell phone, and it can be used wisely in a number of ways when you're taking a trip. Before your trip, email an itinerary to yourself, including all addresses, phone numbers, and directions. Take photos of your luggage and the tracking tag, just in case it gets lost. Download books, movies, and music to enjoy while on your journey. Use your phone as a GPS to find your way around. It's your clock, automatically adjusting to any new time zones. You can stay in touch with those at home. Most cell phones work around the globe. You may have to do a little research about this ahead of time, but worst case scenario, use Wi-Fi and free texting or messaging apps. Your phone is your alarm clock. You can use it to access the Internet while on your journey. And of course, it is your camera equipment, photos and videos. Did you know you can download video editing apps to make quick and easy vlogs about your trip? Have a great trip. This has been Tina Kinsey with Asheville Regional Airport. When you fly home, you're home. Any real estate company's success is a reflection of its attention and care provided to its clients. Appalachian Realty Associates are proven to have the best agents around. And if you're looking for a place in Asheville and Western North Carolina, they'll help you find properties as unique as you are. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcome. Welcoming Bungalow office on 
Arlington Street near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Explore one of Western North Carolina's most iconic places at Chimney Rock State Park. Six hiking trails and animal discovery den. Rock climbing with instructors from Fox Mountain Guides, guided hikes, and more. Plan your adventure at ChimneyRockPark.com. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. And now here's our good friend Doc Lawrence on the Gourmet Highway. He's standing up on top of Stone Mountain, Georgia, having some fun, it sounds like. Hear about delightful Stone Mountain and the Dare to Pair event you just had down there. Marilyn, here I am standing on top of mighty Stone Mountain, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. And I'm going to wave to you and your incredible audience from here. I'm not here today, though, just because I love climbing the mountain. I do, and not necessarily because I love the wildlife here, which I do, but it's also to walk off some of the weight that I put on after an event for the ages last night here in Stone Mountain Historic Village. There's a beautiful old inn built around 1820 called the Stillwell House. It's now a B&B, and it's owned by this lovely couple, Ralph and Mary Stowall, and they hosted the inaugural of Dare to Pair. That doesn't mean much now, but it will. Dare to Pair is a concept put into action, and it's far removed from your ordinary run-of-the-mill wine dinner. It ain't that at all. This is the nearest I think we can get to a dining experience that the lucky ones that were invited to Monticello by Thomas Jefferson enjoyed a couple of centuries ago. And we've tried to duplicate that with modern cuisine, but local products all put together through the research and talents of this wonderful chef, Jenny Hall. Jenny is very much a part of Dare to Pair, as I am. And what we've done with this is that we've taken the tradition of Thomas Jefferson of Southern hospitality, fresh, locally grown food, and put it together with people who are friends or should be friends, and served everything with wines of the world. At the inaugural, we served wines from France, Portugal, Germany, Australia, Oregon, California, Texas, North Carolina, and yes, Georgia. Whew, Marilyn, I'm out of breath with that, but that's how much fun we had. The great crowd, it was intimate, but the great crowd at this ancient supper table enjoyed menu items that Jenny put together that seemed to fit perfectly with at least one, two, or three of these wines. And you know, variety is the spice of life, and nothing was structured. It was fun. Did you know that we even served a wine that was preferred by Napoleon Bonaparte? and matched it with a wine that is its counterpart in Oregon, Pinot Noir from King Estate. And there was a wonderful, loving debate about which one was preferred. That's what Dare to Pair is all about. The village itself, Stone Mountain Historic Village, is a wondrous place to visit. It was here in 1864 that General Sherman launched his infamous, I say, March to the Sea 
Uh, Indian trails abound everywhere here. The cemeteries are spooky, historic, and delightful to walk through. The town is made of stone. The buildings are look much like they did probably in the uh, 19th century. Who knows? I wasn't there. But all I know is it's a great place to visit. Over 6 million people come to this park each year, so it's got something going for it. But Dare to Paris got a lot going for it, too. You'll hear more about it later. And Marilyn, I want you to be old Doc's special guest real soon for one of these great Jeffersonian meals. Well, that's about all I have right now on the Gourmet Highway. And this is Doc Lawrence for Marilyn Ball. And speaking of travel, saying goodbye from Stone Mountain, Georgia. And I hope to see you in your city real soon. Stone Mountain, Georgia is a wonderful place, Doc. You know I'm coming down for some of that southern hospitality. We'll catch up with you next week, Doc. Have a great week. Well, my guest today is Bistra Kristofa, and she's here talking to us about Bulgaria and what it was like growing up. And Bistra, we were talking about coming over to the States. You were working in a camp. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that was the reason I came to the States. Um, camp Counseling USA matched me with a camp right here in Brevard. So I didn't really choose where to come in the States, but it was the f- perfect match. Uh, I came in, uh, I came in the middle of summer in uh, June and all the trees were dripping with rain and it was as green as can be. So it just, I fell in love with it, of course, immediately. Um, and the transition was not really that difficult because I've already lived in Bulgaria for, uh, you know, <laughs> all my life. Uh, and I was pretty f- well formed as an individual. And, um, so I didn't really experience a big cultural shock because this is a pretty, kind of provincial environment here it's not that i was dropped in new york um but uh it was uh, it was interesting to um work with kids i think they were probably the bigger shock in the beginning because kids are uh endearingly honest about everything so they didn't spare me any jokes about my bulgarian slash british accent with my little idiosyncrasies how i ate my cereal with honey and not with uh maple syrup, (laughs) even the smallest things like that, and how I brush my hair. It was just amazing to see how different people can be in their smallest little uh, habits during the day. But that really uh, expanded my my horizons and expectations pretty quick. I actually became, I think, tougher working in that environment than if I would have worked in an office immediately. Uh, so I tried to adapt and uh, please kids. So that was a, a really very nice jolting experience just to make me um, uh, aware of diversities. And, uh, of course, there were a lot of other international camp counselors. So I um, I got used to just accepting people very quickly, you know, for their differences. So let's back up just for a second. I, I'd like to just get a sense of what you were thinking. You had, you had graduated from college um, and this uh, – what is it, Camp Counselor? Camp Counselor USA, USA? is the organization that uh, uh, brings, you know, international students to, or probably Americans also, to the camps. So um, it was pretty much a synchronicity that I, um, I got to do that um, because um, in Bulgaria I majored in English, but I had a minor in outdoor education. And uh, my some of my dearest friends just... Um, they were living in England and they saw this program, the Camp Counselors USA, and they put two and two together and said, it seems like you may be just the perfect candidate. You know English fairly well. 
and you love working in the outdoor environments anywhere. Um, so that was an experiment. I had no idea what's going to happen after camp. And But being the adventurous kind of spirit that I grew up, you know, uh, to be, I immediately wanted to extend my stay, try to find ways to stay here. And um, amazingly enough, Brevard College was right there with its wilderness education program. So my eyes were right on it immediately. So that was it. I applied for that and I got admitted and uh, I actually started college so you here. started college right here at Brevard right. College. And because of my English uh, major in Bulgaria, I, I got admitted fluently, easily, without any tests even. Like they didn't, they said, oh, you have a major in English, so we're not going to even test you. And uh, that that was pretty much how I stayed here, decided to be a uh, wilderness trip leader, had the best experience in Brevard College with uh, wonderful instructors that actually um, Brevard College, I think, is a pretty uh, progressive uh, little little college and um, a very well-rounded also. Like, I got so many different experiences there and, and classes. Um, so that was my first uh, kind of dip in American reality. Well, American reality uh, sometimes is a lot more than just a dip. So <laughs> when we come back, let's talk more about the plunge, if you will. <laughs> sure. Your business trip shouldn't start with a road trip. Hundreds of global destinations are just one connection away. Starting at Asheville Regional Airport, fly Allegiant, American, Delta, and United. Asheville Regional Airport, your local connection to the world. Visit flyavl.com to plan your next trip. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Leave ordinary behind with a visit to Chimney Rock at Chimney Rock State Park. Surround yourself with breathtaking views of Lake Lure and the Hickory Nut Gorge while enjoying six hiking trails, rock climbing with Fox Mountain Guide instructors, and Animal Discovery Den, unique events, and more. Whether you're new to hiking or a seasoned pro, there's something for everyone at The Rock. To plan your next Chimney Rock adventure, visit Chimney Rock Park com to see an online trail map and a listing of the park's upcoming events. With 50 flights every day to and from cities like Atlanta, Charlotte, and Chicago, you can fly to hundreds of worldwide destinations with one easy connection. Choose Allegiant, American, Delta, or United right here from Asheville Regional Airport. And when you fly home, you're home. Asheville Regional Airport. Take the easy way out. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on a Jupiter and Mars. From Bulgaria to Asheville, my guest today is Bistra. And Bistra, I am just so happy to have you here on the show today. I've Thank learned you, so Marilyn. much. I feel like um, just getting a sense of, of those strong uh, family roots. 
being able to make those connections uh, now here into Western North Carolina. So, Bistro, you were telling us about um, finding Brevard College and, and the wonderful experience that you had there. What happened once that program ended? Yeah, Brevard College was really the foundation for my um, immersion here in the in United States. And um, after the college, uh, I actually started uh, working as an outdoor trip leader, and um, I worked at uh, several camps and uh, school organizations. And it was really a fulfilling experience. Uh, and for a little while, um, I. I worked in a different field, but I think this was always in the back of my mind, and it was always part of a big part of my life, like hiking and outdoor activities were just hand-in-hand uh, hand with everything else I was doing. And um, eventually, um, I actually uh, decided to do uh, photography and hiking as um, my main occupation, and um, right now I'm... Um, Semi-professionally involved. I'm not paid for it, but uh, I do take big pride in it that I'm one of the organizers in the Asheville Hiking Group meetup here in Asheville. And um, I take uh, part in organizing trips every week, uh, and I love in- introducing people to new things. I'm one of these that do not – I don't repeat a hike pretty much at all. I try always something new so just to keep myself interested in others. And same goes with my photography. I'm now uh, one of the permanent vendors at the Grove Arcade Artisan Market. It's an outdoor market, and um, – I do sell my photography pretty much everywhere. There's an empty spot in Asheville. I've been in restaurants and coffee shops and other fairs. But the Grove Arcade is the most fulfilling one because, first, it's a wonderful location. The people I work with, the other artists, are extremely inspiring, and uh, we learn and grow a lot together. But also the interaction with – I love the feedback from people just face and face-to-face. Any, anyone from children, I have the smallest customers come with their little daily allowance and they want to buy certain things just for themselves. I have people that are always interested in learning, where is this, where is that? So half of the summer, I'm actually a tour guide there trying to teach people how to get to that photo. <laughs> Usually that's how they start. Oh, where, how do I see that, you know, that you have on the photo? So I'm still really um, grateful for the combination of the, you know, all of those things that I've done in my life that make me... Um, I am fulfilled by leaving a lot of my art all over the states and uh, the world. I have a lot of internationals that come and purchase things, but I also like to inspire people and do something new and different. So this is what motivates me and what uh, uh, pushes me you know, forward and uh, keeps me grounded, too, because once I stop receiving that immediate feedback from people, I actually lose a little bit of my identity and my purpose. I think I found a good purpose now, and... Um, trying to stay healthy through the activities, try, trying to keep my brain real healthy with all of the problem-solving that uh, small business and art business involves. So actually, it's an overall really, really rewarding experience combining love for nature and love for art and uh, interaction with people on a daily basis. And how could somebody find out more about you and and fi- and see some of your beautiful, beautiful uh, art? I'm a little bit of a lazy online uh, 
uh, person and personality and presence. So, so far, Instagram is probably my biggest outlet. I have two accounts there, Bistra Photography and Bistra Photo Art. I'm also on Etsy, but a very slow grower <laughs> on Etsy. So uh, help, any help is appreciated there. Um, uh, so this is it so far. I disconnected my Facebook account a year ago um, just to be able to actually focus more on our real day uh, relationships with people. And that's it. And we could see you at the Grove Arcade. Grove Arcade almost every day. This is pretty much a full-time job now, and My I'm goodness. loving it. So I'll come by for a chat for any questions about the outdoors or the photography. I'll be, I would love to just chat with you. So tell us a little bit about um, uh, going back to Bulgaria. Do you go back on a regular basis? What's what's I your do. family life like there? Thanks to technology, I'm there every day on Skype. <laughs> And, uh, of course, I do. I just spend a month. Uh, I try to always go there for at least a month uh, last year. Again, very fulfilling. My family is just uh, always used to be dragged places. So I go, and there's already an itinerary when I go, and we just keep going. Beaches and mountains. And um, I'm hoping I'm planning a trip for my mother this September, going to Michigan and Nova Scotia and Maine. So it's official now. <laughs> well, congratulations. There you go. Thank you. I love that. So do you do a lot of traveling besides going back to your country uh, through the States or going as, back to Europe? As much as I can afford. Um, <laughs> I'm afraid most of my savings go into traveling. So, yeah, if there is time and um, and enough resources, uh, I try to. Yeah, I'm a national parks junkie here. So. Uh, I just got actually my national park pass as a reward for one photo that won a contest. So I'm getting ready to use up all of it <laughs> for as much as I can. Um, so, yeah, trips are always in the making and planning. Well, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, you've been here now. You just had your 20-year mm -hmm. anniversary, and you weren't that much older, really, when you came here. You said you were about 27. Uh -huh. So, you know, you're almost at a midpoint in your life in Bulgaria and your life right. here in the United yeah. States. Um, do you feel that you have found a sense of home here now? I think um, I have to say that now it's actually um, more up in the air than before because I I, I feel strong connection with both countries, uh, but I think the traveler in me just uh, wants to probably even go somewhere else and, and create another spot where I feel super comfortable. So I'm afraid, um, and I once talked to an astrologer and he told me very honestly that I was probably born a gypsy <laughs> in the good sense of it, that um, I really cannot still uh, stay still that um, the way I learn about the world is by going and touching it there, not reading about it so much. So, um, no, I'm afraid my sense of place is actually broadening up. It's, it's, not, it's not anchoring me down. And um, in America, I have to say that this area feels like my American birthplace. So if I have to feel at home anywhere, I would be here because this is – Probably the most benevolent kind of socially and geographically environment that I've been 
I lived in Oregon for eight years, but the beauty is so stark and so grand there that it's more a, a beauty that you observe and look at. And this is the one that kind of envelops you and, and allows you to actually be part of it uh, a little easier than the one in, in the West, let's say. And do you feel that um, in your travels that you find that uh, the people that you meet, uh, you were talking about the children when you first came here and how they found, you know, they mm-hmm. were able to nitpick every little thing. Do you find that people are very accepting and and connecting? Um, for the most part, uh, people are, uh, when I travel, you know, especially out, out of the country, um, most of the time, people accept me as a tourist, and unfortunately, you cannot tell exactly whether they accept you more as a human being and just uh, as a pure human being, or they always look at you a little bit as a tourist who helps them in some way. So, you know, they have to be good to you in order to, um, you know, to provide good services so you're a good tourist and good um, good part of the economy for them. But I've always had great experiences, and... Uh, um, several probably even I think Hawaii was the one that actually surprised me um, that people are very um, uh, kind of annoyed and angry with the crowds so maybe that was the only place that I felt that I was not quite welcome but most everywhere people are really accepting of differences yeah. well we are totally accepting of all differences <laughs> here on Speaking of Travel and Bistro it's just been such a pleasure sitting down and, and having this conversation with you and getting to know you uh, as a person and as an artist I'm looking forward to coming over to the Grove Arcade and seeing your work and, and having more conversation and taking a hike oh, absolutely yeah <laughs> Anytime, just look us up at the Asheville Hiking Group Meetup, and uh, I'll take you anywhere. I am totally yeah. on that because I bought new hiking boots, and I have to <laughs> use on. them. So thank you so much for being on the show and filling us in on a part of the world that uh, is a little bit under the radar. Um, and here's meeting up with you again soon. You're very welcome, and thank you for this exposure and for letting me share. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. You've been listening to Speaking of Travel. Go out and have a really great week. Take a hike. Go down to the Grove Arcade. Check out Bistra. Say hello. Say, I heard you on Speaking of Travel. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, don't postpone joy. Joy.